John Holiday, and you're listening to Black Audacity, the podcast for cinephiles like ourselves. Welcome to another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to our foolishness and fuckery. We yes. appreciate it. Um, Mr. Holiday, how are you doing today? I can't complain much, really. Just happy to, you know, be here once again. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell we tired? <laughs> <laughs> what about you? It's been a long week. Been a long week. Long month, long year. Nigga, it's only February. I was going to say, man, it, it, uh, it's the second month of February. These 28 days of black films is whooping my ass. I'm like... But but it's it's been great, though. It like, really I, has. I, the I response, love it. too. And we, uh, if you haven't known by the title we talking about movies so this this is nearer and dearer to me because for y'all that don't know i'm a movie head a cinephile movie buff this is my shit so <laughs> a full disclosure if, if if i get into my bag you know just 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 go along with it well excuse the hell out of me i am also a movie buff. <laughs> <laughs> oh hi <laughs> <laughs> and if you know me, you know that my favorite movies usually involve black people yeah. and white people doing crime or white people behaving badly. Because you love them gangsta. I love a good gangster movie. Before we start. We definitely want to shout out our people in our far but near neighbors in Texas. We got family out there. Glad y'all are safe. This looks like the sun finally came outside. Y'all governor left you and escaped to Mexico. <laughs> That's not funny. It's, it's not. It's not funny that y'all got left. That this white man left you. Um, but it is. Funny. This is America. <laughs> <laughs> We're not laughing at y'all pain. We're just We're laughing not. at the. You gotta. You gotta have the, to keep them crying at, at this the point. audacity. The audacity. The plug right of, there of, of it all. <laughs> of Mr. Ted Cruz. Oh, that, that nigga grew out that beard and he just been wild ever since. I don't know what it is with y'all. Y'all get that beard and he ain't even got no like edge up lineup. He just looked dirty. And I said, I guess if I can't grow a beard because I would not be shit. But um, not great with a five o'clock shot. And I said at three thirty because I can't even get the full five o'clock. But uh, but um, anyway, but what are we gonna be talking about today? Today we're talking about black characters written by white pens and the evolution of black writers and black creators and movies and television so holiday yes. you want to lead us in on some of the history behind this since this is your motherfucking bag <laughs> well um getting into it all when we say we don't like black characters by that we mean more like caricatures so you have uh black stereotypes or black roles that were written and uh tropes so you had these tropes so basically 50s, or well, even before the 50s and 60s, in the, the inception of having black actors play the characters that were written. Because prior to this, you still had all these black characters, but they were portrayed by white actors. Um, and to get into that, uh, we went into that in our Neo Negro episode. So, you know, if you want to go back and listen to that, um, so we don't rehash a lot. Yeah, a lot uh, about the history behind all of this and how the black face and the evolution of how black characters are were displayed or introduced into the culture are in the neo-negro episode this is kind of like a part two yeah exactly so getting into that so once we started having black actors they still were limited in the roles they can play and they were still confined uh, and these are some of the earliest earliest portrayals so in one of the most oldest and i say predominant but um like the mammy character which was if you think of Gone with the Wind, uh, Hattie McDaniels, 
that was like the personification of the Mammy character. Her character was actually named Mammy. I'm not sure which came first, but before that, you had white actresses in blackface made to be more voluptuous to play these characters. Um, so, and and let me preface all this by saying, by no means when we talk about some of these uh, older tropes, is it in in degradation degradation to the characters that portray to the actors that portrayed these characters? Because again, this is really the only thing you could do. Um, so from you had the Mammy character, you had the Jezebel character, which is like over sexualized black woman. You've seen that in a, in a lot of movies, and and all these and the reason why they weren't weren't discussion is because. Movies are pretty much, it's propaganda in um, a lot of sense. So a lot of these tropes were made to justify the treatment of black people in society. So the Mammy character was made to justify like, oh yeah, they're servants, they're slaves, but they're happy to be, you know, in the house amongst us. The Jezebel character, you're over-sexualizing black women like, oh no, they they, they like it. Um, the Sapphire, which is the angry black woman. So you had this character, which, which is predominant to this day, as soon as, a sister raise her voice. She's the angry black character. Um, and then furthermore, down the line, you had the strong black female character, which again is important, but then we don't want it to overshadow. These are still humans we're talking about. So a lot of time in, in movies earlier, before we started creating our own characters, they were made to justify a lot of mistreatment. Uh, so again, you can see a black woman on screen do anything, overcome anything. So in real life, her real life existence doesn't really have to be scrutinized as much. Because you're like, again, people, this is how, this is your realism. You watch movies and you take from it what you will and then you it becomes part of real life. That's why all this warrants discussion because it has real life ramifications uh, and we can get in to all that later. And um, so that's that with the female characters and with the male characters. Uh, you had like the Uncle Tom, which had a dual role. Originally the Uncle Tom was uh, Uncle Tom's cabin. He was actually a hero amongst the black community, mm -hmm. but later on they use him as like, um, like I said, Uncle Tom, he was there to, 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 to help help the white people yeah similar to samuel L. jackson's role in Django. exactly and then you have the but it's actually ruckus Ru yeah that's ruckus so that's more like the uh the sambo character because uh, you had a the coon the sambo and the magical negro uh the magical negro is pretty self-explanatory so this is the character that only exists a mystical negro to help the white protagonist will smith Bagger will smith bagger vance um uh, morgan freeman driving miss daisy um, I, I was uh, Green Mile. Um, Michael Clark Duncan. Rest in peace. Yes. So these are your magical Negro characters, and uh, the Sambo character and the Coon character, just not portrayed. Black men weren't portrayed in the best of light. But again, it's all made to justify any treatment towards them in real life. So that's why this is important, and that's why we want to talk about it, and that's why we went into depth on the neo-negro episode because now that we're getting control over telling our stories you see a lot of these tropes die out right and that's a really important thing 
again go, go back and reference the neo negro <laughs> episode is because that we are able to take control of it however we can't deny the fact that we were able to control it based on people before us mm-hmm. having to play a white character i'm sorry a white writer's version of what they believed a black person was and like john was talking about hattie as the mammy character and Gone with the Wind, a movie that I personally have never understood what the big hype was about, but I was also born in the 80s, <laughs> so I I never understood. I've also read the book because I had to for school at a point in time. Um, I, I'm not really sure because it wasn't up there with like this. Margaret Mitchell wasn't a terrific just, writer. It like glamorizes uh, it romanticizes it romanticizes a good part in white history. I would say, and I would say that unabashedly. Yeah, because it gives you know it's the rebel call and yeah. all that type of stuff, and, and yeah. it's cool, but it's like no, nah, nah. yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm not even saying that as because I'm a black person, but even with that alone mm. would be enough. But even but just taking my race out of the out of the equation, it's still just a okay movie like i'm glad had he got an oscar for it but and even putting these characters in the movies it's it's been historically inaccurate because you, you didn't have these type of uh people in the in the house like during slavery and the reconstruction oh, era wouldn't have never so, been in a home so you put you 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 will put an older desexualized woman and this is somewhat to justify some of the treatment because the real quote unquote house niggas you had in the house it was always some young attractive light skinned girl that was I don't even have to go into detail and I don't want to but so when you watch it in the movie you're like oh you got it the ancient mama looking character so it's kind of it makes you feel better remember she's not ancient mama anymore oh yes pearl <laughs> something something way more offensive than ancient mama. <laughs> it's just something that just sounds like so unnecessary which it was but i say but a lot <laughs> uh going back into these characters and of course i'm gonna bring it up black women in general mm-hmm. have such a different portrayal and like John was talking about the tropes and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. how every how it plays back into real life. Yeah. It's just this assumption, and we go through this kind of migration of the situation. Because first we were the helpers, mm-hmm. then we were sexualized. Because before, mm-hmm. even though we've always been sexualized, then it became popular to sexualize us, and then from there it became the sassiness, mm-hmm. the angry, and then you had the poetic but still basically helpful you know help being the, white people the the, the, the black best friend trope is Lord. kind of a layover from the magical negro yeah. and, and even the mammy and um and something uh, i felt like that that got harped on so much and it plays out in real life because being and i know you have too being the magical negro friend is exhausting and I, I, and i'm gonna say this because a lot of these connections i didn't make but i want to say in preparation for this um I did do a little research, and I just want to shout out, I did watch a video essay from the Black Cinephile. I believe she's a college student, but she makes video essays, and she loves movies, as do I. Uh, <laughs> so that that was just a cool, uh, and it's not like an endorsement, I'm just saying. So if we can't get into everything, so if you're interested in this subject, you can go uh, check that out. And um, also, if you're somebody like me, who loves these type of movies, and it's 
and it's, it's it's hard to have these conversations within the mainstream. So I watch a lot of YouTube reviews, and I do want to give a special mention because this helps me a lot when I'm trying to understand movies. Uh, pay or wait. Uh, Sharonda Pearweight. She's a sister, but it's so funny because I, I watch movies and I hear reviews and it's kind of like, uh, I don't think they got it. But then listening to uh, another black person explain is like, this is the conversation like I was looking for. And and it's, and it's missing. So that's cool. And uh, last but not least, uh, Andre the Black Nerd, he does movie reviews too. And I love it because it's, it's just, it's just, it's kind of, if you're like me, it's, 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 not therapeutic, but it's it's it's, it's cool. Because that's the best part of watching the movie is talking about it. But is it? To me, like <laughs> no, you talk I'm, about I'm it, it had this conversation. <laughs> but it, it's hard because, you know, you could tell most audience, some audiences don't get it when it's a predominant black tale. When it's, I always bring it back up, back to Tyler Perry and mm-hmm. uh, Why Did I Get Married? And I remember a local newspaper wrote that they wouldn't ever assume that Tasha would say, you know, the part where... Um, are you a are you a hoe need a pimp something like that i can't even remember the exact oh, line right and they now. didn't get it they didn't get it mm. and they were like black people don't talk about that like that yeah yeah the and fuck we, we, we do. do and also again locally and we live in california the golden state the golden racist state but <laughs> we, i remember when friday after next came out oh. and they made such a big deal about it's really sad that this is going to become some family's christmas movie like nigga why what? why is this sad it has i love it i watch it every year every it's a christmas movie fucking but we can christmas. watch christmas vacation with no uh, yeah wait, uh, with christmas no vacation is filthy like there's yeah. so many things it's, but that's still one of my favorite christmas movies no it's, it's great like it's, why aren't we giving these same but you're gonna say and this and these weren't that long ago i'm just gonna be honest with you so mm-hmm. that's something to take into consideration there will hell right after next is almost 20 years old but we have to we have to take we had to take it back and thank goodness for podcasts and social media and youtube and all of that because we can discuss it now. we can discuss it now and it can be given the credit that's due one of me and john's i don't that i wouldn't count that as one of our favorite movies together like what we've watched together but it's damn sure one of my favorite movies harlem nights harlem nights was critically mm-hmm. panned yeah. it was not seen as a great movie even though you had you had the comedy legends in that movie everybody was in that movie everybody in that movie and now unfortunately the only there's only three people alive yeah, from the um, original cast eddie arsenio and um, miguel Hon- miguel nunez yeah those yeah. are the only three everybody else oh back. jasmine guy oh and jasmine yeah i always forget about her because she, she gets fucking killed in the movie <laughs> uh, but it was critically panned because they didn't get it and then we watch it we're watching it as kids because i mean like literally Mm -hmm. kids and we watch it and it's the funniest thing ever it's the same thing with the original friday all these movies were initially panned they weren't seen but these are great scripts it's it's funny because you're about eddie bamboo or not bamboo um um fuck what's the boomerang boomerang was critically panned as well (laughs) i mean boomerang was a great movie let's put it like this boomerang had all the elements of some bullshit like you've got mail or sleepless in seattle or anything mm-hmm. like that it had all the 90 components jerry mcguire mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. like that in fact it was better and mm-hmm. it might have been better to us because it, it just, showed it us but there was black people 
just being Being black black. (laughs) and that's the problem with a lot of these white pins that create these black characters they only created for the struggle they Mm -hmm. don't they created for the struggle or for the benefit of their white counterparts they don't put into consideration that we are people Mm -hmm. and not only are we people we live a lot of time without y'all yeah we exist so when you put these black characters in these movies they're always to again at, at the assistance of the the white protagonist so then you have like the white savior trope so you have movies about quote unquote the struggle the hood and you have uh what comes to mind uh dangerous minds so you have this movie about some at risk at risk youths but then michelle pfeiffer is the hero you know and another movie that i actually like wildcats it's the same thing Goldie Hawn comes and saves all these kids through sports. Freedom Riders. Freedom Riders, which originally was a Latina woman, and they switched it to Hillary Swank, which I didn't know. Um, doing preparation for this, I found that out. Um, so, yeah, and that's what we mean by black characters. They're only there to to, to be black and, and uh, assist the white counterpart. So, in history... Um, black filmmakers weren't really that predominant, but we did have some, and we talked about Tyler Perry, and it's uh, funny because it's going to segue into uh, Oscar Michaud, and this is somebody that I did not know that Tyler Perry wants to make a movie about, and he actually wants to portray him because they feel that their stories are parallels, but this was basically credited the first black filmmaker, and he did it indie style. He wrote his own scripts, all black cast. Um, some of it has been lost because it's so old. But The Homestead is one of them. And I think this is his most predominant. It's a book that's still available. But um, I think it was preserved in the Congress. It's in the uh, Congressional Archives. But, but I don't think you can like find it to watch. But you can find the book. Yeah, you can find the book. And you can find recreations of it. Uh, different people... Um, kind of, uh, They didn't redo the full movie. But what they did was just kind of take out what they were able to see mm-hmm. and then make it into available footage so if you want to you can check it out on youtube i'll yeah. try to find the link uh for one of them and put it in we, our show description yeah we can actually find some information about him because i really wasn't that well versed in him but it was is it was so inspiring to read me being a, a lover of film to find out and the early 1900s you had this black filmmaker and i love indie films so it's kind of like and then you'll get into maybe we'll, we'll talk about that on a bonus episode about him and thomas edison oh i didn't know anything Tom, about that thomas so. edison was a big ass bully so and and kind of uh took over how movies were made but the great thing about the homestead and about the um about that time because we we make a big deal now and i'm talking about we like me and john make a big (laughs) a big deal now about black filmmakers and about people our people being able to establish their stories not getting credit for it Mm -hmm. you have people that are you know three sets out of slavery of course in 98 percent of the cases they were mulatto people people Mm -hmm. who could easily pass for the not, paper bag test the paper bag test and pass and they're coming off of vaudeville so they had income and they had money because nothing moves better than money in america to make a statement and so they were able to do that and put on these movies with a predominantly black cast they weren't black like me but they were you know mm-hmm. they were they wouldn't be able to sit at the counter so yeah 
But for that time period, that's huge. That's, that's the same thing. Like, Hattie McDaniel playing the, the Mammy character. She said herself she knew what was happening, but she'd rather play a maid than be a maid. Yeah. This was her rationale, it, which, again, like I said, none of this is, is we're not saying this. And there's nothing against domestic. There's yeah, nothing, nothing against domestic workers either. But you had to remember these people have already broken barriers because they mm-hmm. had the education, they had the mm-hmm. time. They were huge vaudeville acts as black people. Um, and we're going to get into a further discussion discussion later on about Step and Fetch, mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. vaudeville actor that was the first actor to make a first black American to make a million dollars off of movies. Yeah, Those are huge and things. Yeah, and yeah. we're talking about in the 1930s, mm-hmm. but he was critically panned. Another person is um, Evelyn Prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evelyn Prayer, the interesting thing about her is that she very much she very much um, resembles a lot of the actresses of the time that not quite yet flapper but almost there so you have that but she has that look she also passes the paper bag test um but she was so influential in early movie making and screenwriting and acting she was an it girl but that was because she was able She'd to pass been like the uh- Issa Rae of her times. Yeah. I, is that I, a good, I would say that was a, that's okay. a damn good parallel. She was like mm-hmm. an Issa Rae. Um, and I, would, I was going to say even a Regina King. As of late, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. and the, re- ow. the reason why <laughs> <laughs> that hurt, the reason why I say Regina King was because you saw Regina King's progression. Mm-hmm. We've seen, we if you're of a certain age, you've seen Regina King your whole from, life. From Boys in the Hood to uh, two, One Night in Miami. <laughs> from 227 to One Night in Miami. Because oh, she was right. Brenda right. and, you know, yeah. and all of that. So you've seen her go through it. And Evelyn Pierre was like that too. I'll drop a link in the show. I've got a lot of links to drop. Yeah, actually, didn't know that much about her either and that's another reason why I love doing these episodes because I get to be a nerd and research shit yeah so, <laughs> because he needs an episode to be able to do that well I do it anyway but now I can do it to, to, to for a purpose and and again I like learning about I like old movies anyway but I feel up until recently um, a lot of information wasn't as readily uh, available um as far as that you didn't have to deep dive and search for it. But I am happy that older black films are getting recognition. No matter how you feel about it. It's it's still cool to pay homage and, you know, reverence to people that paved yeah, the way. So these are early 19... 19- 1920 30 movies so now we're getting to uh, we're no before 1920 we're t- like homestead came out in 1919 and the i'm sorry we didn't put this correlation together the biggest thing about evelyn prayer was that her first cinematic role was in the homestead oh, so that's okay. what makes her a big deal too probably should have mentioned that i apologize uh, so now coming to now you have your sydney poitiers and and these are the 50s 60s right so, what are some other actors and actresses? Yeah, like Lena Horne, um, Harry Belafonte, uh, my girl Eartha Kitt, uh huh, um, Dorothy Dandridge. Dorothy. Oh, uh, who's the one? This was thirties. Who are we talking about? Annie Johnson. Annie Johnson. Uh, no, Annie Johnson. Kind of like thirty. Or no, that- Annie Johnson. That's all fifties. Fifties. Okay. Yeah, fifties and sixties. So yeah, these are the the hard players. And if you 
the other names i'm pretty sure that you they still fell into these tropes but they but, they broke out of them annie mm-hmm. johnson was a a very educated comedian um and if you don't know who annie johnson is if you've ever seen the uh imitation of life that came out in what was it 57 67 the remake was then the original i believe was 1939 right so the original was 1939 that one is trash in comparison. The, ori- <laughs> the original in 1939 um, was played um, by a whole host of people. I don't even know, and most people don't, because most people don't like that original one. They the like one with a- they the, like the one with Annie Johnson and. Um, that's not the original. No. Okay. All right. No. Uh, I haven't seen either one. I heard of them. Uh, imita- but anyways. In- Annie Johnson, Imitation of Life, the one that came out in the 50s with Lana Turner and, uh, what's the old girl's name? Uh, the one that married Bobby Darren. That's, a, if you can tell, that's, yeah. my, that's my time period. Yeah. That's my shit. Um, <laughs> I'm an old school baby. Um, a Gidget? The chick that played Gidget. Anyways, from back in the day. Uh, that's the Imitation of Life. The Annie Johnson is the mother the black mother who lives with this biracial child who could pass for white the child hates the fact that she's black and at the end she has this grand funeral and the funeral scene uh the daughter runs out and goes mama mama and it's heartbreaking and it's heart-wrenching and annie johnson the woman who plays the character the of the black mother she played a lot of maid roles she played a lot of domestic roles Mm-hmm. However, in real life, she was a celebrated and educated comedian, uh, just an all-around, just terrific person. But she wanted her break into Hollywood, and so she took what she could. If you've ever, I, I put in a comparison to the movie Karina Karina with Whoopi Goldberg, and if you haven't watched that movie, take a chance and watch it because it's I like not, it. that's on Ray Liotta, right? Yeah, with yeah. Ray Liotta and that little big-headed girl. I don't know what her name is in real life. She's an adult now. She's older than both of us. Oh, is that the one that played Matilda? No, those are two totally different kids. Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) But if you, and the story of Karina, Karina kind of goes about that way too, about these black women who were highly educated, smart, jazzy, and all this type of stuff, but they weren't the right skin color. They Mm. weren't the, the right, even figure in a lot of ways, but they wanted to catch their break. They couldn't get in there like they wanted to. They couldn't start a podcast. They couldn't start a YouTube channel. They couldn't do all this on their I was own. I say all that went on to like recently. Yeah, kind of. but they so they worked as domestics. So there was nobody who could get them in or hook them up or tag them on the page. And we pay homage to them today because mm-hmm. I always say that we are not our ancestors, and I mean that in respect to them. <laughs> yeah, because they they were they could do more than I could. So now going into, now you got the seventies, eighties black exploitation movies. And then niggas just which, decided we just gonna take well, it. We I, gonna take it over. And not only are we gonna, I like these movies though. I, I know a lot of people don't, and they feel they're negative. But I like these. They're movies. not negative. They're res- oh, let me hold on, <laughs> Mr. Jameson kicking in. They're yeah, they because I I was getting mad. They're not negative. What they are is a response mm. because it showed that black people don't have to be Sidney Poitier's yeah. and Harry Belafonte's and Lena Horne's. Nah, we're going to be super fly. We're going to be Bishop. We're going to do mm-hmm. all these things and you're not going to stop it. We're going to be <laughs> motherfucking Goldie. Uh, and, and 
and I'm a fan of these movies. And and again, I understand. I do understand um, the vitriol towards them, especially if you know you want to speak a narrative of you know black excellence and predominant predominance. And then you have um, a movie about a pimp and a hustler. But it's like again, as I say. The black experience is not a monolithic experience, <laughs> we, right? Because this is still part of part of the culture. Because you go into stories and you go into situations like Iceberg Slim, and mm-hmm. we've talked about Iceberg Slim. We talked nauseum. <laughs> Sorry. And then we also we talk about the Mac. John talks about the Mac a lot. That's my shit. Um, Superfly, Shaft, Hell Up in Harlem, mm-hmm. um, Dolomite. Mm-hmm. All of these, and but the the what's the catalyst catalyst sweet sweet, sweet, sweet badass song with uh, melvin melvin fi- van fine ass melvin van peebles that man is like 112 years and old and still pretty, fine no that kicked it off i think that's no like, that was the that was literally yeah, the first yeah. and gorilla and, style they and made no, a gorilla filmmaking and then he and I love it. he did what we always have to do and he got help from bill cosby but he produced this film completely on his own he Mm -hmm. put his son into it Mm -hmm. he melvin if you haven't had a chance please go look up melvin of van peoples because he lived and is still living this crazy crazy life he was a hippie before there was a hippie he was a beatnik before there was a beatnik like he's lived a cold cool life and i i love him but you have these movies and these are just in response these were the kids who grew up seeing you know, you can't sit here. They grew up in Vicksburg, Mississippi, or um, you know, some some other place that I'll never visit, especially if the state starts with an A. It's something like that. That's where they're from. And they made it through the great migration to Chicago, to uh Philadelphia, to all these places, and they decided to do something. They were tired of being beat on. They were part of the civil rights movement, but they couldn't be out there marching with King every day. They just had to live life. It's huge. And one of the, besides Mr. Curtis Mayfield, who, me and We're going to do a whole episode because he does not get enough credit, Curtis Mayfield. And, oh, <laughs> when it comes to movies, John, this is definitely John's bag. When it comes to music of a certain time period, we both really get into it. But you go it's a wave and if you've ever listened to anything from curtis mayfield from the beginning of his career mm-hmm. to With i want to say yeah until the mid 80s you on um, yeah mid 80s you yeah i believe it's when he had its accident yeah okay that's when you get you feel that beat that was did, a po- that was a superfly soundtrack he did the claudine soundtrack he did the sparkle soundtrack and these are like soundtracks of a generation. It's I was that's what I was saying. It's a pulse. Yeah, yeah. And it's a pulse to the movies. So mm-hmm. you have to look at it. And I hate when people go around and say that these black quote. I don't even like the real term black because it's black really yeah because it's actually American exploitation. It's mm. showing. It's exploiting how bad it was, and it was. Like, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. It was bad. And we had to, we, I wasn't there, but black people had to kind of sit in the background and watch these white writers kind of decide who they're going to be. 
Yeah. And you has you had some good movies come out around that time and you know, they, you know those black and white characters and we're all in this together, brother. You had that type of shit. Then you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna flare up my nose at it completely because there's mm. a and I do say a sprinkle few from the sixties through the eighties. I mean they serve their purpose, but a lot, a lot of them were trash. Yeah. Like uh look, I mean uh, guess who's coming to dinner. But 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 then that. again but then again is 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 for the audience. So in mind we never had movies made for us. Uh and when I say us like that's what I mean. So yeah, we have black characters, but these these movies weren't for we still had segregated um theaters back then. So you you had to have different different Kind of movie, different kind and of I stories. think that's funny too. We don't talk about that enough because we're from California. Um, we're second generation Californians in most cases. That the segregation of movie theaters, the segregation of movies, but we've had to deal with that right here in Fresno, California. There was a time where black movies were not played in this town. Oh, yeah, we did not see them. People would be like, Oh, we saw this and this and that. We would see the Theater, previews yeah, for theaters it. Just theaters wouldn't, play. wouldn't and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm sure people who are listening to this either remember or they had maybe a similar situation, unless you were living in a bigger city. Well, yeah, this is before we had the multi-theater, um, the multi-screen theaters. So this was before you could just put the black movie on. Okay, it's gonna play at five o'clock, and that's it. But uh, but even part that was like two screens. Yeah, you had like because so, I'm, I'm thinking like yeah, Manchester one, Manchester two, and, and then you, you wasn't had finna play no nigga. You were gonna watch. <laughs> you caught you caught Friday, and in the '90s you caught Friday at the two dollar movie theater, mm-hmm. and that was it. That was the only time you're gonna see it. It was gonna be that one Friday, and they were gonna patch you down before you went inside. Those straight out of Compton came out in 2015. They were and they doing still that. Did that. You were getting shook down before you went into the movie. I said fuck it. I bought a ticket to support and went back home, but. That's huge, too, because in major parts, in major cities, again, bringing up Philadelphia, Chicago, Oakland, A, all of those, you had black-owned movie theaters, or you had black theaters that were big on showing black movies, because they were making these movies. That's the predominance of how Dolomite, Yeah, you know? It, it, thank you very much. Great Good segue. segue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's really, really important. Those movies... Because unless you were some, again, some big star in mid-60s, early 70s, if you were like Sidney Poitier, then you could get big. They weren't showing black movies at drive-ins until Mm -hmm. Richard Pryor came onto the scene. And that's late 70s, early 80s. And that's because he was a crossover hit. He was controversial. White folks were mad at their parents. They wanted to stick it to the system. (laughs) That... I'm, I sound no, funny, but that's really yeah. what it was. I mean, that's a that's a big part of what, besides the fact that he was a comedic genius, but that's a big part as to why a lot of Richard's movie got played. A movie we didn't mention. I don't know if we said Shaft. I did. Okay, Shaft, because that's like the first, like, black superhero. Like, he was a Harlem detective, and he was like... Yeah, he was a whole, yeah. he was a whole and ass cop. And that was directed cop. by Gordon Parks. Gordon Parks. The Gordon Parks. Somebody we need to do... We need to He's put on a the Renaissance page. man in, in in his own right. Gordon Parks lived in his own his own yeah, lane. Yeah, we well we we'll definitely get more in in depth into him too as well. But yeah, you did mention Shaft. Um, but 
we talked about some of the caricatures or some of the tropes. So the seventies black exploitation movies, this is the um, the predominance of the Jezebel character, and I think this is why these movies get a lot of flack because this is where you had to over sexualize black women. So in a, in a lot of these movies, I mean, you see it, you know, half dressed, naked, sexy. Um, take from it what you will. If we wouldn't, but see. Yeah, movies like Coffee with the Pam Greer, cause it was it was nothing. There's nobody better. I had a crush on her my whole life, and she was a grown woman when I was born, so I can't even explain that. She was already forty when I was born, and I had a crush on her then. <laughs> Came this, out the womb. Yeah, Pam, I'm for you. Yeah, Just give me a yeah, couple this, of more years. Yeah, Jackie Brown, don't get me started. Um, but we'll you, get into that. <laughs> I think that was an empowering moment because it wasn't just mm. her it was oh gosh that's gonna bother me it was her it was a uh, bill withers woman the one that used me is about lola falana let no I, that's not who i'm talking about but let's bring up lola falana who i've more than less that's who I want to be. Mm-hmm. There's not a there's not a current person that I want to be like more than Lola Falana. I'm okay. like there's a mix. My life is a mix between Lola Falana and the brat. Like that's how. <laughs> I'm I'm learning this too. <laughs> I did not know. Uh, Bill, her name was Jacqueline something. God, I gotta start hanging out with old people because nobody my age knows about this. I don't know. I don't. Um, and rest in peace, Bill. He died last March. Damn. But TNT Jackson is another one. That's Gene Bell. But TNT Jackson is another movie. I don't think gets enough credit. It's a seven. It's it's up there. Like one of my favorites. Uh, the Mac. TNT Jackson. Um, Calvin Lockhart. I think is another actor. Um, he was in The Baron. Calvin Lockhart. We 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 don't we need to talk about him like we talk about Marlon Brando. Talk about you know what I'm saying? Like he's a, I mean he was a, a, I think he was from the Caribbean or something, but just a, a great actor. You know, smooth, debonair, um, had that essence about him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we don't. I don't think us as a people just really held on. Like now we're going to show our kids these movies now. Uh, that that come that's that are coming out now. How we talk about uh, boys in the hood and stuff like that, like how how these remain staples. I don't believe. I think the generation prior, we we didn't we didn't get that. Maybe this was an advent, or maybe this was a, a parallel. Or um, Denise Nichols, that was who Denise Nichols. Sorry, yeah, I've been doing this all day where I've been trying to remember certain women's names. Drinking. I, I do, but it's not gonna happen. So, Denise Nichols is who, uh, but sorry, I'm gonna no, go hijack this from you really yeah, quick. Yeah, I apologize, yeah, yeah. but because they were 70s sex symbols, mm-hmm. they but they weren't, they were part of this already the sexual revolution where you know women were being free and everybody was half naked because the 70s and early 80s was some wild fucking times we ain't got free free love we ain't got (laughs) nothing like they talk about oh social media no we just stupid enough to document some of the more so positive time i feel like it was positive for black women i think it was the start because 
just because you're sexy doesn't mean that you're being so less liberating. Yeah. Liberate. Okay. And I feel like those two in particular, because you also had uh, Miss Cicely Tyson around that time coming mm-hmm. out, but she wasn't sex symbol. She wasn't living that, but she wasn't like, oh, these are whores, like kind of like we do today. Because there's mm-hmm. that that uh, in between, like, oh, I would rather have Aisha Curry than the Meg The Stallion. And like, you can't. Neither she, one of these people are actresses, but you get my drift. But you had like, like the, you could pull either one. Like the people saying it, like, like you got you a chance with either one. <laughs> like you, you're, but I'll take a both. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, killer. Yeah. But you had that time, and then I don't think it was a, it was a trope. It was an introduction. Like yeah, we can be sexy. We can, we can do all this. We can do what so Jane Fonda is, taking, is doing. This is taking. The power back. Taking back. Okay. You're not, we're not going to be I here. I never looked at it like we're that. Not gonna, that's how I looked at it, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. We're, you're not going to be, we're not going to be like, you know, just your pass arounds. We're not going to be your. Uh, so this, this, we're taking back the stigma of the bed wench. Yeah. And no, I'm going to, if I want to have sex with ourselves. you, I will, but I don't necessarily want to. And if you get on my nerves, I shoot you. Again, <laughs> my philosophy on life is based on this. This is what. <laughs> We're not going to go down that avenue. <laughs> but no. Stay on brand. That's why I think. I get why it's called black, uh, black exploitation. I get that they have this trope about, you know, the the sexualization and everything like that. But I really don't feel like we became overly sexualized as black women in films until the 90s. And I think that was done mostly by us. So bring it, bring it in. Okay. So. The 60s, 70s, so now we're in the 80s. So, yeah, at this point in time, we're only criminals on film. We're only criminals and we're only there to be saved. And this is well, the white savior thing has always been a thing. But this that's, is, I mean, that that's the story. That's but these these are what the movies are made for. You have to make these movies for a more progressive white audience that needs to see characters way worse than them like over the top racism so they could be like well at least I'm not like that I can identify with with the white guy this this he's selfless in his acts but he's always rewarded at the end so you have these movies um you know you have this white character come in to these situations they're doing it out the kindness of their heart but then they but then the community embraces them okay a good example and I like the movie to kill a mockingbird. I love that movie. He's a hero for just representing the black man. Like that was it. He was a lawyer that Atticus did his job in Atticus Finches. It, it exalted in the black community, all just for representing a black man. Like I understand the time, but that was it. Like he's a hero because of that. Right. Because he says in the movie, "I'm going to do it because that's my job," and he has to explain this to the scout. Yeah, and. <laughs> Speaking of just movies, uh, Gregory Peck was amazing in that movie. That's who played Atticus Finch. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the film. Yeah, I, I like the book more because I never took it. I per, This is me. This is my perspective. And mine is a, a tad bit skewed sometimes. But like I said, sometimes I take myself being a black person out of the perspective and just read it. I never saw Atticus as being a hero. Mm-hmm. But I know, I, but I get where you're coming from. I didn't read the book. I, but no, even in the movie, I didn't. Um, I didn't. What I saw was a recount of this little girl's life for a summer or a year, however, however long it was. And 
this trial just happened to be a major factor in it. That's what I saw from it. That's what I took. And I remember arguing this in English class years ago. That's what I took it as. I didn't see him as a hero. I didn't see him as the white savior. I didn't think that he did anything important. He was just there. That, But that was me. And I've been a revolutionary for quite some time. But I just always felt like... Of course, it was it was in, in the com- it, it opened up her eyes to how the world worked, and it wasn't sweet. But she had this black; she didn't have a mother, so she had the mammy trope already there. She had this black woman who was taking care of her that she was sassy and disrespectful to. Mm-hmm. Then she they badass kids harassing the neighbors. Then her Messing daddy with Boo Boo R- yeah, Riley, yeah, was fucking with Boo Boo minding his damn business. Here you little bad. Uh, uh, Capote ass look, and who who it really was based on was Truman Capote was the little boy that came into town. Oh, okay, yeah, because they were they were best friends in real life. The author uh, oh, okay. Harper Lee. So you ha- you have all of that, and but that's what I read it as. I never read it as Atticus being just this great man who took it on because that's what he's supposed to do. He. That's a, that, okay. We're saying the same thing, just differently. Yeah, no, I'm not. Because I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't believe I just, he was such a great person anyway. I'm just saying how how the movie portrays it. Exactly. More I'm, so the movie than the book. I'm saying I'm saying it from my perspective. Now you didn't see it as such. Yeah, okay. I never saw it as such, and I think that it's dangerous. I say this a lot, but I do to look at it like that. To look at it like that I for agree. white audiences. I agree with you. Yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> we're for once we're agreeing with each other. I'm just. <laughs> I don't feel right. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. With shade. <laughs> like, I really, I really, I'm not giving you a rebuttal. I'm just, I'm just giving my perspective of it because I am agreeing with you. I, that is the, that's the story that they try to say. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this white man did it. If you, we're going to do it. It happens so on and so forth, too. And they always want to just throw it out there. Like, this white man came and saved the whole world. They did it in Hidden Figures in a more recent movie. And that, and. Because uh, it never happened. Yeah, what's important about that is the, the character that, um, oh, I was going to say Dennis, that uh, Kevin Costner plays is an amalgamation. Oh, but I got to stop drinking. <laughs> I got it right. It's an amalgamation of a few different characters. But the director said himself. That he inserted the the bathroom scene when he tears down the sign. That is not factually accurate. But the director himself said he he inserted that in the film because it was important for white audience to see white people doing the good doing the right thing. If it didn't like again, it's like now we still you're, you're hijacking. The story, the story, and, isn't and the story that. has already been hidden. Thus, the title, because uh-huh. it really has. Mm-hmm. It. I, I didn't know about it, I ne- and I'm surprised I didn't know about and it. And I have Shame read on me. <laughs> and read and read about black women in STEM for as long because I wanted to be a, a chemist at one point, a legal chemist at one point. In and time. I'm big on space. Yeah, I love NASA. I'm surprised I never heard these and stories. Never even got a glimpse of it. But I'll tell you why that bothers me about this movie was that there didn't need to be a white savior it really didn't it didn't even you had to show the racism because that Mm -hmm. was important but this was way bigger than that Mm -hmm. and it still got overshadowed because they you know it became i hated that because it became the kevin costner movie even with um um because octavia spencer was my and janelle monet was my favorite part i love taraji don't get me wrong but they were my favorite who was the um sheldon i don't know his real name oh uh 
Cause even his character was kind of like he was annoying. I, I, and, but they, like he he you know he's being what the fuck is his name? Not outright racist, but he's kind of being you know a bigoted. He's been a, he's being the type of racist that we deal with now. The yeah, passive aggressive yeah. racist. But, but at the I'm end, better than you. I didn't like at the end like he brings her his coffee like that absolves him from it. Yeah, like, cause it, you're because it, and why do we have to keep telling in movies whether we write them, white people write them, a Hispanic person, Asian person, why do we have to keep telling y'all what is right and what's not? Exactly. Oh, that I would have never known. What the you you didn't know that there were separate bathrooms in Texas in the fifties and sixties? Yeah. And, and 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 the and these movies are vehicles for these stories and again they're to make the audience that they're made for feel better that they're not as racist and, and then feel we come so far along and we haven't that was only 50 years ago and people say mm-hmm. only 50 years ago that's one generation like y'all realize that right that is one generation katherine johnson rest in peace the person who taraji p henson's character is based on is the same age as my grandmother mm. like that's not me over-exaggerating, trying to be cute. That's the same age as my grandmother. I am 33. So, it wasn't that yeah, long ago. <laughs> and, and, and you're talking about characters or removing racism. And we've moved past that. We haven't moved in through anything. What we mm. did is we put a blind eye to it. And then we put it on film to feed it to children and make them believe it. And that brings us to our next situation which is 90 movies when niggas decided we're gonna be niggas on film for real for real <laughs> so now you have so we get into 80s movies now um so now i believe actors writers uh we're giving a little more autonomy now you have these movies that are actually telling are telling of the black experience even though directors aren't we don't really have really black directors at this point you do but not mainstream for instance 1985 color purple this is a black staple directed by steven spielberg so how exactly do you describe that i feel like color purple is one of the few movies of the 80s this is a black film that's a black film with a black pen Yes, mm-hmm. there was a white Cause director. Because it's written by Alice Walker. It's written by the great, great Alice Walker. Um, it's it it truly does sh- like tell the story of a black woman at um, post restoration uh, America. It tells the story about an African continent being like it's mm-hmm. it's a great movie. It's one of the few movies I want to say in book turned into film history that follows the book so closely it follows it so damn good from the way you can't read that book and then watch Whoopi and not and not Mm. see it oh that's how good that transition is seamless it's it's something that you don't see very often some parts were edited out mm. from the book to the movie and that's because of the time you're talking about 85 yeah black a lesbian love going yeah. on like there's a lot of shit and weed smoking by a black woman because that wasn't a characteristic that you would have thought about a black woman at that time but you know suge and silly was in there getting high no motherfucker and, in the I, book so but you mentioned that this is still a black face black pen so just before we go any further what would you say constitutes a black film because again 
I had this argument a lot, or a conversation, I should say, because Color Purple is directed by Steven Spielberg. So, in your opinion, uh, we're going to go off script for a minute, but in your opinion, what makes a black film? We're going to go off script. That's <laughs> kind of the whole point of this show. See, I hate when you don't mock me. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go off You didn't say it like that. That's how I heard it. I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't trying to mock you. I was okay. just, you know. We don't leave again, all this. Again, we're getting along. Don't ruin yeah. this. <laughs> <For what? laughs> See, I just don't know how to act when it's right. Like, we don't even have any beef right now. Yeah. Chill. <laughs> no, what makes it a black movie is that it's a black story. This story in particular. It, I'm, I'm particularly talking about the color purple. Okay. It's a black story that doesn't involve white trepidation. If that makes sense. So, is this true to... This um, is true to the book as well. Even though there's white characters. And you, then you have Sophia's story. Mm. And if Sophia is Oprah Winfrey's character, and that's in the book as well. Again, this is really was a seamless transition. Alice went into her motherfucking bag on on mm. recreating this for film purposes. But you have that, but you're not seeing like all these white people punching her down, punching her down, punching her down, even when she's um, with the... Oh, I can't even remember the lady's name, the character. You know, Sophia, you know, she freaks out with the car and stuff. It's almost Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forget her name, too, but I know what you're talking about. They have her locked up, but that's not the main focus of the movie. And in mm-hmm. the book, they all plot together to get her out. And that part's not in there because um, it's... And that's such a... Uh, since we're talking about it, I remember even seeing that as a kid. That's such a heart-wrenching scene when she is fighting off everybody in the crowd. And like, it was like... Me like but I it remember was, watching it as a kid and being like, wow, I was just so... I wanted to hop in the screen right, and be you, like, you, protect her. You felt it rather than... You felt it rather than experience it. And you didn't feel it... I want to say you felt it because you saw this woman getting jumped yeah that that's basically what happened for getting jumped for trying to protect herself you saw her and protect and her the cop hit her with a gun was yeah the cop or just a man with it a was gun? uh sheriff it was a, or something i think it was a cop no it was a it was the mayor it was the mayor that hit her that's okay. what happened okay because it was the mayor's wife miss miss lily some oh something. that said some foul shit and then she you want to be my maid and, Mi- and, Sophia, Sophia, no. <laughs> and then Sophia basically all she said this is the part, and this is a black woman's struggle. All she said was, hell nah. And that was just so disrespectful. Just How dare so, you? and because she was in the, in the book, they go in more detail to it, because she's out with Buster, mm-hmm. and she had left her husband, Harpo, blah, blah, blah. She um, is in a car mm-hmm. in the 1900s, mm-hmm. the 1910s, a black woman, one generation out of slavery, easily, or maybe mm-hmm. two. You should still be in a, a horse drawn carriage why, or walking. <laughs> why are you in this beautiful vehicle with all these children that you take such good care of because they don't look like, you know, who shot John? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no shade, John. Um, but you don't. And yeah, you, you have that part, but it shows the story of a black woman. That little scene, because that scene's only about three minutes long. Mm-hmm. That scene in itself, in the book and the movie, displays the plight of a black American so woman. So, it's another question I want to ask you before we go on. Oh, go ahead. Because you consider that a black... Because we could talk about... Because we had this conversation about Jackie Brown. Do you, cause you consider that a black film? Jackie Brown is... Or is that a nigga movie? Because <laughs> there's a difference. No, I'm playing. But, uh... <laughs> is there a difference? 
I be mean, again. We're getting off script, but we're gonna go further. But yeah, you have to look because it's a good. Because that's a, it's a funny. Because people be like, no, you can't. You know, you, the people that we hang out with. No, you can't say that. And blah blah blah. There is a big difference. There's nigga movies, and, and then there's films. black films. So Jackie Brown's a nigga movie or black film? Jackie Brown's a nigga movie. Okay, because I love Jackie Brown. I consider it a black film. It's one of my favorite movies, even though it was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. But it's acted by the great. Samuel L. Jackson and Pam Greer and, and they Pam, take it away. Pam Greer and Samuel L. Jackson take that movie to a whole nother plight. There's a all-star cast. You have Bridget yeah. Fonda. You have the Robert De Niro, my who's, man. who's one of my uh, favorite actors. My man, Michael Keaton. You have Michael Keating. You have uh, Matt. Ro- uh, Robert Foster. Uh, the late Robert Foster. You even the have, late uh, Tiny uh, Zeus Lester. Right. The late Tiny Zeus. You have Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. All these, especially at the time, because this movie came out in 95, these people were like on it. This yeah, was yeah. this was uh, Robert coming off a of casino. This yeah. was uh, Bridget coming off of whatever whatever movie whatever. Like even uh, uh, just a little um, little shout out. You had Sid Haig in there, who's a Fresno native. Oh yeah, you uh, I forgot he's in that movie. Yeah, he died last year. He died last year. I love too. him from Devil's Rejects, but we'll get in that. So let's get back to the eighties because I don't want to go too far. Because we go start going. Yeah, 90s, yeah. That, all right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up part one of Blackface White Pen. Be on the lookout for part two coming up soon to wrap up our Black History Month 2021. Yes, ma'am. All right, we'll see you soon. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>